So we thought we'd have a little conversation today about these new times that we're living in, these times of isolation and the different pressures that um, that creates for us all. It's changing our lives, it's changing what we're able to do. And at the same time, many people are continuing to work, needing to work at home, and that creates its own challenges for people. How you carry on working, now you're doing it from home, you're doing it with your whole life around you in a different way, and you're still trying to stay connected to the work and the people that you work with. Yeah, I found myself thinking about a number of the organisations that we work with, the people that we've done work with, which are around um, building the team and, you know, um, creating a different level of uh, connection and communication in that team and then imagining all those people that we've worked with in the room um, are now scattered and they're people mm. who have been used to sitting across a desk from someone or, or um, you know, in-person working with somebody that they're, or a group of people that they're collaborating with and what that must feel like because for many of them there will still be an imperative for them to be producing things, to be innovating things. Um, to be hitting and, some kind of target. Yeah. But <clears throat> it's interesting and, and because remotely, no. mm, as you're saying that, I, I start to realise the different pressures. There's pressures on the people that manage them. How, how do they manage their team when they're maybe no longer able to be in the space, moving between people, no longer to have um, meetings in real space with people. So there's pressures for people managing and then there's pressures on each individual that sense of personal responsibility that you really need um in this time uh, that sense of personal responsibility that we've all got anyway in this time for our physical health for our mental health for the other parts of our life that we might be responsible for whether we've got partners children family members, or even if we're living on our own, responsible for managing our interaction with the outside world and getting food and things we need, etc. So that sense of personal responsibility in work now, when you're spending more of it on your own, in your own space than you've probably ever spent before. Yeah, and, and I... And I think that what I've been aware of personally is that, you know, we we are busy a lot of the time and we work really hard and we're able to work at the rate that we work with the travel and the, you know, meetings here, there, designing courses or whatever it is that we're, we're doing, <clears throat> that narrative, and how it, it's possible to work at that kind of rate because there's an assumption that everything else in our life is kind of manageable and under control in mm. in some way. So the things that we just take for granted, you know, that 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 the household is running itself, but and, that all just ticks over, and that, that all just ticks over. Yeah. That um, you know, our daughter is happy at school, and you know, all that is just happening. And here we all are 
where everything that we take for granted, the whole mm. structure that we live in, that we take for granted, has been upended. Mm. And, you, you know, and people are having to deal with extraordinarily stressful things. I'm mm. thinking about having um, elderly parents and what that, and how that, you know, changes your relationship to this virus or yeah. to friends or to, you know, all that stuff that we just take for granted and we're suddenly all in a situation where you cannot take anything for granted and what that's the extra chatter that 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 puts into my head when I try and get to sleep at night when I find yes. you know what I find myself yes thinking about which then impacts on how I'm able to be the following day yes for example I mean there's so many things you've made me think about um, as you were speaking there, Jane. One, the um, our interrelatedness. <clears throat> you talked about children, you talked about parents. And as I look out of the window now into our streets, I think of neighbours. That sense of interrelatedness is really, um, really brought into focus in this moment because we're able to be with only the closest people in our circles at this moment in time and you realize that 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 starts at home with and that might be you on your own or the people you live with the family then your next door neighbors and um, that sense of interrelatedness then there might be the relatives that you have who aren't close to you who you may or may not be visiting but I've certainly got a parent that I'm not visiting who's many hundreds of miles away, um, who've now I've managed to get onto Zoom. And so we are able to stay connected in a different way. But our sense of interrelatedness is really kind of coming to focus, I think. Our sense of um, the dynamic between us and other people and how much we rely on other people. And we rely on other people for so many things. And I don't just mean practical um, and I don't even just mean emotional, but I mean kind of energetically. Mm. When you don't, mm. um, when uh, when you don't get in the same space as somebody, you don't have that exchange of energy that you have. And you and I know from working with people in rooms, individuals or groups of people, that energy exchange is such a part of it, and it's part of any working environment, whether you're in an open plan office or. Um, an office on your own you will um, you will have moments when you interact with other people in real time in real space and that energy exchange kind of feeds us so that's one thing that came up as you were speaking and and I also think that um, th this this thing that's happening is changing our perspectives and that will be a different experience for everyone so you know you I mean you and I are a married couple who work together mm. and yet in my observation we we go to our our perspective and our priorities um, shake down in a slightly different way so we're responding how, in different yeah, ways we're responding yeah. in different yeah. ways our attitude to our work in relation to, you know, how we feel, I notice that we respond to that slightly mm. differently. Mm. I, you know, I think my response when I'm stressed is to 
just kind of go go quiet and shut down whereas yours you are much more of an activist than mm. I than I am so yours is about doing and mine is about kind of putting getting a shell on and not and not and not doing actually and actually both of those are potentially a retreat from just be, yeah, being. Being. you yeah. want to find somewhere that where you feel protected and grounded but I, I know also that you know and hearing you describe it that being an activist and just doing can be as much a retreat as anything so what can you do as a, a team well one one of yes one and, and another thing that you made you maybe think about as you were speaking was that um you said something about journeys to work and as i think of you and i working um as you say being a married couple that work together we have over the last 10 years or and more um kind of learned to really boundary the difference between our work mm. and um our home life and our relationship and our family um and that was a kind of lesson that um, doesn't kind of happen overnight that boundarying, but it kind of crept up on us that if we were going to work together, we had to really know when we're working and when we're not working. Otherwise, everything bleeds into everything else. And I think in this moment in time, that is a real challenge for a lot of people. That the idea that you close your front door and you journey to work, and then there's your work persona. And that work persona interacts with all those people in that space. Mm. And then you leave your work and you come back to home. And then you can leave work when you step in your front door um, and be with family or in your own space. And then you can leave that and step into your work persona when you when you head in the other direction. And if I think of we have a journey from this house to work that we make and it's a 15 20 minute journey and i know that because we've spoken about this how useful we find that as a we gear up for the day by walking through the streets and traveling to our office and then when we finished at our office we close the door and we transition back and that's all gone and so those boundaries between our different personas if you like even if we don't really consciously register them like that Working from home, everything can can mm. merge. Um, the logistics of living at home, the emotional burden of working in your own living environment, whether that's to do with other people or just being in your own space, um, it really starts to blur all the boundaries betwe between the, the, the different selves that we might inhabit. Well, I've found myself just feeling um really jealous of of my time that's not work time you know mm. like um really making sure that we have a weekend mm. you know now sometimes we have been choosing to create story circles on a sunday yeah and and i did feel slightly conflicted about that because if i don't have you know, Monday to Friday, when I'm thinking, when I can step into a mm. work mode and be able to let go of things that might be obstacles or distractions to me, being able to listen and really focus on work. Mm. But on a Friday to be able to, at the end of Friday, to be able to stop. But at the same time, 
it's nice to offer, be able to offer something to people on the weekend. Because then that's a kind of an antidote yeah. to their week exactly. of working, even though it feels like we're working. Exactly. Even though it's very enjoyable, those story circles, uh, managing that circle. But for other people, it's, it's the thing that they yeah. retreat to. I mean, I guess I still feel a bit conflicted about it. And at the end of last Sunday's, though, I felt it, it was really lovely to have sat and listened to people's stories. I discovered yeah. that, of course, that was an, a nourishing thing to have done. Um, Distracted by a Is it a fly or thing. is it a wasp? It's a fly. Yeah. But... Yes, um, so that the, the sense the sense of boundary, um, and you started to say again, thinking about the team that is is trying to work together and um, maintain the way of um, interacting with colleagues, um, maintain their output as a team. Um, what can we? offer in our thinking well and I think that the first thing um, to acknowledge is that we do have obstacles and distractions that are getting in the way of us and the, and the noise of that chatter likely at this moment is amplified I mean as, as we know whenever we um, set out to do anything, there will be things that are stopping us from being present and part As evidenced by the fly that <laughs> just came in the middle of our yeah. conversation yeah. and then distracted us both thinking, oh, can they hear the fly? Do we need to get rid of the fly? Yeah, does, it, does, does it matter? Does can it we matter? just ignore it? But that's, yeah, mm. that's what we would call an external obstacle very much. But I think much more pertinent yeah, is all the in, internal at this moment in time. So having uh, a practice or a habit where if you are going to dedicate time to work, mm. to being able to clear, you know, what might be getting in the way, no matter what that is, that might be something, um, yeah, it might be an external obstacle, you know, mm. something about the space that you're having to work in, noise from elsewhere in the house, noise from, uh, uh, you know, around where you're working, uh, an unstable internet connection, just acknowledging that, that that's there and then looking at what the, the internal obstacle might be. You know, the fact that you need a food delivery and you can't get a slot to get some groceries or whatever that might be but just to acknowledge that all that stuff is there in order to be able to to let it go yes so yeah you're you're touching on clearing listening um which is the narrative practice and we've we've done another podcast about that um and i think yeah where it's pertinent in terms of this conversation about um teams uh working together still, collaborating virtually, um, maintaining their productivity. I think, I think it's, it's possibly a, a useful practice for groups of people to not just do individually for themselves, but to do as a group. Mm. The potential, you've, you've said, you know, dedicated time and space, and, and I'm sure most people who are working from home um, effectively will be finding that 
that sense of dedicated time and space, which we talk about a lot in our work. Whenever we're doing um, story work, when we think of telling a story and creating a space for somebody to tell a story, we create dedicated time and space to do that. Um, and our stories are already bounded by a set amount of time. When we work with somebody on their story, it's not like, yes, let's just tell the story and 15 minutes later, we might come out the other end. We're always setting a three, four, five minute time limit so that the story is in a container of time. And I think that sense of working effectively, dedicated space and time I'm sure people are doing that they're deciding to start work at nine or ten or four in the afternoon um, <clears throat> it doesn't really matter when it is but it's that that boundaring of time I think um, so that so that's one thing you you touching on dedicated space and time and then um, that idea of clearing listening when a group of people come together um, we have to all really acknowledge that we're in different spaces now. Mm. And, and, and lots of people work virtually anyway. Of course, Zoom and Skype and all that um, existed anyway. People were doing um, remote working. People were working from home anyway. Um, but everybody's doing it in this way now. And uh, as, as you've touched on, um, we are very much in our own spaces not just geographically, but in our own circumstances. <clears throat> it's very hard to know what everybody's circumstances are, um, whether it's them thinking about their food delivery or their parent or their neighbour or something in their living space. Or So it's bringing those two things together. We've identified that individuals in this moment have got all these challenges um, that are logistic and psychological and emotional and social and everything. And so when you see a little square open up of somebody in a different place that you're wanting to interact with, there's so much that is in that space that we don't know about. So many um, different elements uh, that might be uh, an obstacle or a distraction for that person. So when 10 little squares open up, because <clears throat> you end, as you enter your Zoom Skype meeting, I think there's an opportunity to give everybody a moment to either notice, just notice for themselves um, what might be an obstacle so that they can release it and or um, articulate it for other people so that everybody in that virtual space can can know okay that's what's going on for that person that's what's going on for that person that's what that person is bringing into this meeting time and always with clearing listening it's about acknowledging it and letting it go and then having your having your interaction having your meeting having your dedicated time to be productive together so there's a kind of um, paradox there, as you know, as you describe that in mm. in giving everyone, um, you know, say one minute or two minutes to articulate, to make conscious what's what's happening in their particular mm. orbit. That process then brings everybody in that virtual space into the present moment with one another. Yes. 
Yes. So by bringing in everything else in order to let it go, it's an opportunity for everyone who's on that call mm. to become present with one another and to mm. um, to commit to that meeting, to choose to be in that meeting for that moment, and then I there think can that's be, it, isn't it? you know, yeah, and then there can be an agreement about if if we are going to dedicate time and space to it, let's let's be disciplined about that. Let's say that this meeting is going to be 35 minutes and whatever, and observe that so that we value our own time and we value one another's time and we choose to be there rather than, you know, I know that in virtual meetings, it, it you know, it has been possible to just dial in and not really be present, but, yeah. just kind of half listen but be, you know, doing emails or whatever else might be going on but if you will have a different quality of conversation if people have taken the time to to really choose to be there with one another i think that's it when you i think you use the word commit you know it's committing to that interaction mm. um and um you know, to do that, it's really useful to be able to let some stuff go because <laughs> there's so much stuff at this moment to really commit for a dedicated amount of time, 35 minutes in your example. Right. So I actually, it's useful for me to really release this other stuff. Mm. And it's not <clears throat> that that other stuff might be really important to you. It might be essential that you return to it. Um, but in this moment... I actually don't need some of my brain just continuing to, you know, churn over that other stuff. Um, I need to make this interaction count. Um, In our practice of clearing listening, when we as teams at Narrative clear listening with one another, the, yeah. the purpose of that is to let go of any obstacles or distractions and create some space to then be able to set an intention for how we want the meeting to be or what's yes. going to be our focus or what's, um, you know, how we want to show up in, in that meeting. Yes. Um, and I always find that a really useful process doing that because if I give myself a word which might be uh, focus or play, mm. Mm. then it means that I've got, I've got I, I have a concept, I have an intention that I can come back to. If, you and know, hold if on it, to and, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. re remember, remember focus so that when I then catch myself, you know, if my mind wanders or, uh, you know, I'm tempted to look at my email or whatever, I can come back to, I, I set my intention as focus, stay, stay focused. It's just, it's something, it's a, it's a handhold, something to grab onto. It's really interesting. What's coming up for me as we talk about this, and we're talking about working as a team we're talking about people's ability in this time to stay connected as a team and productive as a team and what is coming up for me is um focus on the individual really strongly the value of each individual and i and i really hope that this time well i think i hope a number of things from this time i think this blurring of boundaries um, between our different personas, if you like, the different people that we choose to be, um, or that, or that the structures we work in force us to be, 
um, that blurring of boundaries, I think there is great potential for um, the world of work to realise that people have so much value when they can bring their whole self into that workspace, that they don't have to shut the door um, on a whole part of their personality, their life, when they step into the workspace. And it's not that everybody has to just share everything. It's not about that, but it's about our potential as human beings. Our um, Everybody's desire to, to be productive and feel they have value and purpose in the world. I don't believe that anybody doesn't want to feel that they have a place and they have purpose. Um, but sometimes I think the world of work can... can force us, ask us, require us to shut a load of doors to who we are, to our whole self. And maybe now we have to really take on board people's personal situations, their vulnerabilities, the challenges that they've got in their whole life, not just in being there between nine and five Mm. in a day. And so I I think there's potential for real... um, threshold to be stepped over in terms of the idea that if people can bring more of their whole selves into the workplace they will get more out of it and whatever the whatever the pursuit is whatever the um whatever the world of work that we're talking about is we'll get more out of it mm-hmm. so um well and that's about um but permission to be who we really are, yeah, and that, and of course, for some people, who they really are is an introvert, or you know, and to, absolutely, and to, so that, yeah, all our stories are valued, or all of who we are is valued. However, that um, shows up. Everybody has a story, and every yeah. story is equal. Yeah, and and the other thing. Um, yeah, I was talking about the focus on the individual um, and it took me back to clearing listening and um, the idea that when you when you show up for clearing listening, you're not doing it for an audience. You're not doing it f- for them. Now, we've talked about people articulating what is there for them. And if that doesn't feel appropriate, it, it can be a a personal process where everybody just writes it down for themselves. So it's about them noticing. It can, as I think you've identified, be very powerful when a group working together can get to a space where they articulate it to each other because then everybody can um, acknowledge where everybody's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea that you're not doing it for anybody else. You, if you clear your listening, it's not about saying what you think other people want to hear. And it's not about the listeners feeling that they then have to fix it or take care of it or justify it or explain it or get involved in the other person's listening. That sense of being responsible for your own listening, responsible for what is going on for you. And also when you set an intention, it's not you know, it's really about the individual. What is going to be helpful to me in this space, in this day, um, as a positive intention? Not what does my boss want to hear me say? Mm. Does he want me to hear me, hear mm. me say targets or productivity or focus or what's useful to me? What do I need in mm. this moment? 
So it's I'm really getting that balance between the individual and the team in this conversation. Yeah, which is leadership, isn't it? It's it's like in in um, understanding who you are, where you come from, what your values are. Um, on a personal level, it's like discovering your personal leadership and a team gets really successful when everyone is able to express their their personal leadership. It's like rather than the sort of old paradigm of a team having, you know, one person who is in a leadership role and then everybody is, you know, everybody else in the team is subservient to that. Then, you know, ideally you you have an engaged team of people who are all exercising their their personal leadership. They may also have a leader, um, but it's it's not that the the one leader knows everything and everybody else is just running around doing no. what they say. No, it's and the, I think there's personal leadership. Yeah, I think that's a great place to land this conversation because um, as we see this thing that's happening is indiscriminate and can happen to everybody, leader or not, wherever you are in the hierarchy, whether you're Prince Charles or Boris Johnson or a nurse on the front line or the old lady next door, it doesn't matter. And that sense of finding one's own sense of leadership, Mm. personal leadership, is is something that I'm going to now go off and have a think about after this conversation, I think. (laughs) 